you would to the book of Romans. I've titled the study this morning as Blessed is the Man. And our subject study, our, our text for today's study will be the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 8. And I'd like to read those verses through without stopping, and then we'll come back and look at each one on an individual basis. Chapter 4 of Romans, beginning at verse 1, we read these. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, now remember, Paul was just addressing to us in chapter 3, works and faith, we're under the law of faith, is uh, what we saw back there in verse 27 of chapter 3. So he's, he's talking about that for, for verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned, not considered of grace, but of debt. In other words, those who work, the work is not rewarded with grace, but it's, work, it's rewarded as a debt, something you've earned. Verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And then he goes on after that to talk about David. Even as David also describeth the blessings of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying this, verse 7, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, let's go back to verse 1. And before we begin on a verse-by-verse, verse, consider this if you would. There is absolutely no justification for Jew or Gentile before God by the works of the law. That's what we read back in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Read that with me if you would. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh, Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, all of us come under this under the sin of the flesh. There is no, therefore, the deeds of the law, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Secondly, second point that we saw before was there is, there is the righteousness of Christ by which believers are completely justified. We are completely sanctified in the sight of God without our obedience to the law. There is free, full, and forever in Christ Jesus. And look at verses 21 and 22 uh, to prove that. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is what? By faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, again, speaking of the Jew and the Gentile. Thirdly, we saw back in chapter 3 that this perfect righteousness that justifies us, it not only justifies us, 
It not only justifies the sinner, but it also honors the law and God's justice, thus enabling, thus making God to be the just, the Lord Jesus Christ, the just, and the justifier. That's what we read in verse 26. To declare, says Paul, I say at this time, his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, Paul goes on to take us into Romans chapter 4 to illustrate these truths that we just saw. Paul uses chapter 4, these two men, and he held, holds them up. These, he uses these two men, which were held in high esteem by the Jews, David and Abraham. Now, who in the world has not heard of King David? Everyone. Almost as many as I've heard of Jesus. Isn't that correct? When we speak of the Old Testament David, every, oh, the one who fought Goliath. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Jewish people and the Greeks alike hold both Abraham and David both in high esteem. So Paul uses these two men to express these things that justification is not by the works of the law. Justification is not by man's righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. Justification is by the just one who is also the justifier of him that believeth. Romans 4, verse 1, Abraham. Abraham, in a spiritual sense, is the father of all believers. What shall we say then, it says, that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? What, what shall we say has he found? Was, did he figure it out that he was justified by what he was doing in the flesh? You know, Abraham was told, leave the, the, the land of Chaldea, to go out. Well, where am I going to go? Don't worry about it. I will take you where I need you to go. Okay. If somebody would have come and told me that when I was a kid, oh, leave Sacramento, just leave your parents, leave your brothers, leave your sisters, go out here into the mountains, and don't worry about it, I'll, t I'll, feed, I'll, I'll take care of you. I would have thought they were flat out crazy. But see, somebody who would have come and said that to me was not God. God spoke to the heart of one of his people. Just as he speaks to our hearts through his word. Why do we believe God? Because he says his people will. He tells us that faith is a gift from him. Our belief, our desire to hear more of his word, more of the truth of his word is because of him. Abraham was no different than you and I. None of God's children are any different. God is no respecter of persons. He saved Adam and Eve. He saved Abraham. He saved David the same way he saved us. The difference is, is we have his whole word right here in front of us. He still spoke his word to the hearts of his people even in those days. Abraham, who was in a spiritual sense the father of all believers. But this verse, this verse is speaking of his relationship to the Jews according to the natural descent, being the first of the circumcision. Abraham was the first. What did he find as pertaining to the flesh? Circumcision and the law? Did he find the way of life and righteousness and salvation by his services, services by his performances? No. And these next verses that we'll read between 2 and 8 bring this out. Between, uh, down to where David, two, 2 to 5, I'm sorry. These next verses, they'll bring this out. Look at verse 2. 
If, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. He could have gloried before men. See how, see how good a follower of God I am? I was willing to sacrifice my son. I, I left all the people I had. He could have glorified before men, but he couldn't glorify before God. Why? Because God looks upon our hearts. Now, I don't know where Abraham's heart was at that time, but I guarantee you God looked upon that heart and saw the sin of man just as he looks upon our hearts and sees the sin of us. If Abraham were justified by his works, either moral or ceremonial, then contrary to what Paul had taught, he had something which to boast in, didn't he? He could not say, I was saved by grace and grace alone. That's the way the world is. They say, oh, amazing grace. But then they turn around and they mix their own works, their own decisions, their own free will their own baptismal, their own ceremonial laws into it. If Abraham were justified by his works, he could boast in it. He had something which to boast in, maybe before men, but certainly not before God. For God sees the sins of our hearts, and he knows all of our follies. Look, hold your place there in Romans. We'll come back. Look over at Luke chapter 16. Look over at Luke chapter 16 for a moment. One verse. Our Lord looks upon the hearts there in verse 15 of chapter 16. It says, And he saith unto them, they are, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. He's speaking to the Pharisees. See that in verse 14? He's speaking to the Pharisees. Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Our Lord looked upon Abraham's heart just as he looks upon ours. Over in verse 3 we read these, For what saith the scriptures? Isn't that interesting? What do we look to for our truths? Don't look to John's articles. Don't look to Henry Mahan's articles. Don't look to Don Forner's Words, look to the word of God. Be as faithful Bereans. If a man's going to stand before you, if you're going to take something and read a writing from a man, make sure what he's saying is from the scriptures. What saith the scriptures? Somebody says, well, it is your free will. It is up to you to make a decision. Really? Scripture says it's not of him that will it nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Isn't that what scripture says? What saith the scriptures? For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God. That's what the scripture says. Abraham believed. Did Abraham go and do what God told him to do? Yes, he did. But that's not what it was accounted to him for righteousness. What was accounted to him for righteousness is that he believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Having denied that Abraham or any man is justified by work, Paul goes on to appeal to the scriptures. Folks, this is our foundation. This is our foundation of our faith. What? In scriptures. 
It's not in me. It's not in you. It's not in this flesh. It's in the scriptures. What does God say about our faith? He says, I will give you a new heart. He says, I will place my laws upon that new heart. You will be my people. And I will be your God. He says, my sheep hear my voice. That's the basis for our faith. Is what is said in the scriptures. It's the basis for our rule of faith. It's the basis for our practice of faith. We don't practice our faith in order to save ourselves. In order to make our salvation better. This is the word of truth. I want to walk according to God's will. I want to walk according to the instruction that my God has given me. Why? Because he's wiser than I am. He knows all things. He knows the things that are better, way better than I know. His ways are not my ways. Turn from my ways. Turn from the ways that John thinks is right and go the ways of the scripture. Scriptures are the basis for our source for all information about God. It's the source for our information about what sin is. It's the source of our information what salvation is. It's the source of eternal life. That's what the scriptures are. Look over at Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 for a moment. Hold your place there in Romans. We'll come back. Genesis chapter 15. Look over there for just a moment. The scriptures are the basis for all our knowledge. You want to know something? You want to know truth? Don't look to John. Don't look to Gene. Don't look to any man. Look to God. Look to the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? I'm taking my time turning here, aren't I, John? I'm getting there. I say that on the golf course, you know, that after about the 10th strike of the club and getting to the hole. I'm getting there. Don't worry, guys. I know you're all there waiting for me. I'm getting there. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. What do we read? And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him. The Lord counted it unto him, Abraham, for righteousness. Why was Abraham righteous before God? Because he believed. And let's not forget what Paul says to the Ephesians. Faith is a gift of God. Not of works, let's mention both. Now, look over at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. What saith the scriptures? What saith the scriptures about Abraham and his faith? Was it in his works? Was the fact that he took his son up to the mount to sacrifice him, was that what accounted to Abraham for uh, salvation or uh, for righteousness? No. As we just read in Genesis, it was for believing in God. Over here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, we read these words. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we're seeing in Scripture over twice now where it is according to the belief that Abraham had in God that was accounted to him for righteousness. That's what the scriptures are telling us. Now look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verses 20 and 20 through 22.
Speaking again of Abraham, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's talking about his son. His son that the Lord had promised him and Sarah. That he had not had to, what do you mean by staggered by staggered at, at, at unbelief? Folks, they were over, they were way past the day of childbearing. Way past it. And those of us who are way past that child, that, that childbearing age, understand it. No, that's got to be impossible. <laughs> Abraham did not stagger. He believed God. He staggered not at the promise of God's run belief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able also to perform. You know, that's the same faith you and I have. We see the sin in this flesh and we wonder at times, how can God save a, a wretch like me? By the power of his son. By the power of his son alone who has promised it and who is able to fulfill all that he has promised. Aren't you thankful he's not waiting for us to help fulfill any of that? Amen. That'll wake us up in a hurry. Aren't you thankful? Oh, amen, I am. <laughs> All right, so back in our text over in Romans chapter 4. Now, before we go there, Henry Meehan pointed something out. He said, didn't, Abra didn't James say that Abraham was justified by works? Didn't, he, didn't Abraham say so? I mean, uh, James say so? Well, let's look at that. Turn over, if you would, to the book of James for just a moment. What does James say about this? Over in chapter 2, James chapter 2. Doesn't James say that Abraham was justified by works in James chapter 2, verse 21? Why, look at there. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Brother Mahan points this out. Folks, I was not, I'm not smart enough to figure these things out. Sometimes I have to lean upon our commentators. Paul and James are not speaking of the same thing, writes Henry. Paul speaks of the justification of the person before God. That means... Abraham, the person, was justified before God because he believed God. Paul speaks of the justification of the person before God. James speaks of the justification of the person's faith or the claim of it before God. Was not... It's exactly what he's doing here. James is talking about Abraham expressed his obedience to God, and that was proof of his faith in God. Paul condemns our works as a cause of justification before God. James praises our works as the evidence of our justification before God. Paul was writing to those who trusted in their works to save, 
James was writing to those who neglected or denied the necessity of obedience. There you go. That's that line between grace and man's responsibility. That's exactly what that is. Okay, let's go on. Back in Romans chapter 4. That was a little side note from Henry Mann. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Lord, for giving Henry the ability to write such wonderful things. Back and forth. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now that's pretty simple. That just means that the laborer and what he merits or earns can never be called a gift or a favor or mercy, but rather it is an obligation owed to him. That's why we say not a worthless man should boast. If I came down to the front of this church that first day and I said, okay, I accept the Lord. And you know how many people do this? You do, don't you? You know that this is the way of the world. I received Christ in my heart such and such time. I did this. I got baptized at such and such time. We know that that's what it's all about. And what they're not saying in the mouth, they are saying with the heart, therefore, that's when the Lord saved me. That's when I deserve to be saved, when I received the Lord. And that's not the case of any of it. That's not the truth of God's word, is it? The truth of God's word is, is none of us would have come to God. This is the grace that I love to tell people about. None of us would have come to God if it weren't for his love for us. If it wasn't for his love for me, I know in my heart I would have kept right on going. And to that door marked death and on the road to destruction. And you know it too if you belong to him. We believe God. He has told that over and over and over to us in his word. And we believe it. And even our belief is because he loved us. And gave himself for us. Oh. Verse 5. Okay, so Abraham's not enough. Abraham, we see one example, but God didn't give just Abraham to us for an example. He gave all kinds of prophets, all kinds of his loved ones. Joseph, what an example of God's people being saved by Christ. Joseph, who holds all the keys to the king's treasure and disperses it to whom he will. But, oh, you know David better than the rest. So let's use David, Paul says. Even as David also describeth the blessings of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. David, the chosen king, the man after God's own heart, is quoted on the subject of blessedness of the man who believes God and seeks acceptance and righteousness in Christ alone, not in his works. Look at Psalms 32. Again, hold your place in Romans. We'll come back to those last couple of verses here in just a moment. But turn over to Psalms chapter 32 for a moment. The gospel excites me. It's such a blessing to be able to stand before sinners as like myself and say, salvation is of the Lord. 
Look at Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. It didn't say blessed is he who has worked out all his wrongdoing. It doesn't say blessed is he who has changed his ways. But he whose transgressions are forgiven whose sin is covered, verse 2, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, shortcomings, deceitfulness, sin, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven. They are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. They are cast behind God's back, never to be seen anymore. They are cast into the depths of the sea, they are remembered no more. Blessed is the man whose sins are covered. They are covered by divine justice, and they shall never be seen again, nor shall they be brought into judgment. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Happy is the man to whom God will not reckon or charge sin to. For we shall appear before him without fault, without blame. We shall be unreprovable. We are justified and acquitted. Look over at Jude chapter 1. Actually, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Turn to Jude and look at verse 24. Now unto him. This is what Abraham and David both said. You know, David, you know what David's last words on, the, on his deathbed were? Even though it be not with my house. That means even though it's not with my house, with my children, with my family, with those who live under my roof, I have a covenant. God has made a covenant with me. He says, you will be my people, and I will be your God. That's a covenant that he will not break. This is the one who is able to keep us from falling. What are we kept by? According to 1 Peter 1, chapter 5, we are kept by the power of God. This is the one who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Have we got the picture of how blessed we truly are yet? As Abraham and David were blessed men, so are we. Not of our works, but of the gift of God that he has given unto us to believe on him. Therefore we strive to do good for his sake. Why? To bring glory to him. Have you ever gone out and done something and somebody wanted to pat you on the back for it? Oh, you did, you know, thank you. That was such a good thing for you to go do for those dear folks down there at the homeless shelter. That was such a good thing for you to do. I mentioned this in Friday night's Bible study, folks. My biggest fear, and I've said this many a times coming to this pulpit, my biggest fear is the praise of men. My hardest, one of the hardest things for me to, 
to accept when the Lord put me here in this position was to stand there at the back of the church and have people walk by and say, thank you, John. What a, what a wonderful message. I needed to hear that. It took me a long time to understand that you're not saying that to me. You're saying that to my Lord. I want to preach him from this pulpit. I want to glorify him. I want him to get all the glory. But I also understand our need because I was there too where I needed to stop. I needed to call Pastor Gene and say, Pastor Gene, that was a great message I heard you preach last week. I needed to call Kevin Thacker and say to Kevin, Kevin, that was a wonderful message. Amen. I needed to call Gabe Stoniker and tell him, God inspired me to bring a message from your message. I understand that now. It's taken a long time to get used to that. But that's what we do good for now. I don't, I don't want to tell you what I gone and done today. Let God be glorified by whatever happened. I don't want to tell you what I did on Thursday or Friday. Let God be glorified in whoever it happened to, in whatever it was I was doing. Let God give, take the glory for whatever we do. But I want to do it for his sake. We want to bring glory to his name. We want the world to see the glory of God in us, not in our works, but in our works for him. Look over at Acts chapter 3, and I'll bring this to a close. Acts chapter 3. You know, we didn't finish. Uh, let's, let's do that first. Before we go to Acts chapter 3, let's finish Romans. Uh, let's finish reading those last couple of verses there. 7 and 8, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not... Oh, I did read that. When you get to be my age. Right, Mike? <laughs> Turn over to Acts chapter 3, and we'll bring this to a close. Acts chapter 3, and I want to begin at verse 1. I'm getting there. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John, verse 1, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being of the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. When seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed. We're talking about doing good for the, for the glory of our Savior. The world may see it like we're trying to do good for our own salvation, but God help us not to in our hearts. God look upon the hearts of John. God look upon the heart of Abraham. God, look upon the heart of these two men here, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the table, asked wrong, and Peter, fastening his eyes, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by his right hand, he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat at the alms of the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him, and at the lame man which was beheld, be, was, was healed, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, great and wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why marvel at what this what has happened here? Why marvel as though I had anything to do with it? Why marvel? Ye men of Israel, why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? No. The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, but ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, and his name, the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him the perfect soundness and the presence of you all. I'm going to leave it